Hi, everyone, and welcome to our next installment on our Energy Insights uh, uh, series. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, talking a lot of th about uh, net zero, how uh, the uh, drive to a decarbonized economy is affecting a bunch of people uh, and all parts of the industry, energy and utilities wise. Uh, today, my guest is Pedro Carmo. Pedro, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, Peter. Um, so, yeah, my name is Pedro. I've, I've, yeah, I've been working with CGI for uh, many years, since 2000, give or take. Um, I've, all my career has been in energy utilities. Uh, the last seven uh, focus on renewables. So at the moment, I'm a director consulting expert for energy transition and decarbonization. That's great. And I should yeah, introduce right. myself as well. I'm Peter Warren. I'm the global lead for energy and utilities for CGI. Um, I'm based in uh, just north of Toronto uh, for this call. And uh, Pedro's uh, in Australia, although his accent yeah. uh, is confusing because you're Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, yes, uh, yes. So I came back to Australia. I came back to Australia after I've been here before and I spent um, six years in Portugal then I decided to come back uh, to Australia. It's a great country, so it's in a great position for this uh, energy for the energy transition, which we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we'll maybe talk about some of that as we get into it about uh, uh, meeting some of your uh, clients down there. So maybe I'll kick things off and just ask you sort of an open-ended question here. So, uh, uh, we can chime in on this. What do you see as the main drivers for the net zero uh, future? What do you see happening here? Well, uh, net zero is, I'm not going to lie, it's going to be complicated um, because we're putting a lot of big targets um, on, on, on a lot of aggressive targets. Um, in this case, uh, today in particular, uh, we can talk about uh, the other part other day, but today we would like to focus a little bit on what we call the R2-abate uh, sectors, in particular industries like mining, fertilizers, steel, aluminium, heavy transportation, aviation, etc., so it's quite easy to, well, not quite easy, but it's easier to to electrify, you know, our houses, our cars, etc. Uh, but net zero will only be possible if we also decarbonize um, industries like mining, uh, fertilizer, which are heavy uh, producers of uh, CO two. But uh, yeah, as usual, um, I think uh, a gradual. Um, all hands approach is most likely to succeed. Or, in other words, I don't think it will. Like I said, it's not easy to to, to decarbonize these industries straight away. But I think it would need to be a gradual, a gradual steps, a gradual approach. And, and I think every every little thing, every little thing uh, will help. Uh, and we all need to uh, do what we can to move towards net zero future. And yeah, starts starts with you and me, Peter. But also, uh, you know goes all the way to these R2 abate sectors. Um, and there is there is a lot of uncertainties and constraints. Uh, it's not it's not going to be an easy an easy path. But yeah, companies need to start uh, by setting the net zero targets. Uh, I mean, they need to think about the interim uh, things they need to do. And, and, and then, you know, of course, don't forget the small little things we can do every day and the short-term actions that they can perf can perform as well. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's um, something where it's a, a big bang in every case. I know the mining industry, particularly in Australia, has been very, very good uh, with uh, doing innovation and, and lowering uh, the different uh, impacts it's had. Transportation as well, a huge one there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and this really then starts to put, you know, the challenges for these industries. What are they facing on their journey? Uh, are there any uh, points that you want to mention on that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, all starts with, and, and you can see it here in Australia, for me, all starts with uh, society and then the political context as well. So here in Australia, you see, you saw a big change in terms of political constant context, sorry. Um, and that, that basically is uh, driving a lot of excitement at the moment. Uh, and that then brings the economics and the technology um the picture, right? But if if you have the the right legislation and the right uh, political uh, environment, let's put it this way, um, it's quite important um, to start with. But yeah, I'm so, sure that yeah, go on, Peter. Yeah, no, no problem. So I was just going to chime in there and say, so what do you think is the most promising options for decarbonization? What might be the low hanging fruit here for people to jump on quickly? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good that's one. A tough- <laughs> It's a tough one, Peter, but, you know, I think we need to go back to the basics. I think I like to think about, uh, you know, we, we, we can talk about and we will talk about things like hydrogen, etc. But maybe uh, start by uh, making sure your whatever you produce is durable. It's a, it's a good starting point. So uh, try to make good products or good, good uh, you know, things that last. Then, so we don't need to be uh, redoing them all the time. I think that's the low-hanging fruit. Try to make sure that uh, the existing, the existing supply chain, the existing uh, value chain, etc., they are um, as efficient uh, um, as possible. And then you can start thinking about uh, short-term actions um, and short-term, um, you know, options for for uh, decarbonizing the industry. Yeah, it's it's an interesting journey, and um, you know, it's. Uh it used to be that we used to say security is baked in um, to everything, and that, and that people even find that surprising that security should be top to bottom. Uh, but I think ESG and environmental, social governance, and all the uh, decarbonizing is something that has to be baked in. So if you're going to build something, <laughs> include both security and uh, making it more sustainable right front up front and drive efficiencies. Um, do you have any examples, maybe from your own experience, that you could highlight? Well, yeah, indeed. Um, so, for instance, you know, an example I like to use is actually not my example, but is one that I've uh, been lucky enough to 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 to, un- to understand and to to know the guys that did it. And it's an example in Spain um, where basically a fertilizer company, which is one of the hard to abate um, industries we talked about, mm-hmm. a fertilizer company um, basically decarbonized the entire. Um, supply value chain. Um, so basically they've used, um, they built a solar, a solar uh, power plant um, with, with batteries. And then they use the solar energy and the batteries, of course, to store the, the, the energy where, where needed. And they use that energy produced by, by the solar panels to produce hydrogen and then through an electrolyzer. And then they use the hydrogen to produce um, ammonia which is a key feedstock for uh, the fertilizer they, they produce. So basically, they, they have almost auto, they are most almost um, autosufficient uh, and detached in a way or not dependent 
from the main grid. Although they do have a connection to the grid, of course, as a, as a backup plan, but also to sell some excess capacity. But most of it is to just make sure that if for some reason they don't have enough energy, they can always get some energy back back from um, yeah from the grid. So that that's a, a clear example uh, of how how we could decarbonize one of the R two bytes um, industries. Yeah, it's interesting too, and you mentioned mining as well. Uh, there's a gentleman here that I know. Uh, he's plans for building a mine, and in his case, he wants to make it green right from the beginning. Um, uh, wants to have hydrogen involved, very much like what you talked about. Uh, they have a patented process for better mining uh, and better services. Uh, and I even talked to a gentleman that we have on our employee that I'm going to connect him with uh, that has a doctorate in uh, robotic digging, the ability to do uh, bo both AI uh, mining and digging with the system. So uh, something I didn't even know we knew anything about, but uh, we have somebody that uh, has a doctorate in that. It was a very fascinating conversation last Friday. So I, I mentioned uh, AI and automatic digging, but what do you think from your standpoint is the technology that uh, is going to be used here? What are the enablers? Uh, where is the future for decarbonization? Well, um, I think in the end, for me, uh, it's kind of, uh, everybody says this, but, uh, I think it's true. Uh, data will be key. Uh, data is fundamental. Uh, so basically, all these systems rely on um, you know real time real time data, and it's quite important we are um, capable to acquire or ingest uh, real time data that comes from this you know the the solar panels, the electrolyzer, etc. So we need to receive data. We need to monitor these these um, these devices in in real time. Uh, we need to receive that data. We need to you know standardize the data, store it, and then of course, make analysis, but very important will be the, the decisions to, the, the real-time decisions or the supporting the real-time decision-making process using, uh, using real-time uh, data. And I think that from the data standpoint, too, uh, you know, there's the OEMs that actually do SCADA work, but uh, it's really about going beyond maybe what you're getting from the OEMs and or applying other analytics. Uh, what's your viewpoint on that? Correct. Uh, so the you know in, in this case the, the example of the fertilizer industry, um, of course you have different. So you have the solar panels, you have the batteries, you have the electrolyzer, you have the, the machinery to produce uh, ammonia and so on. And all of these systems have different manufacturers, and and each manufacturer will play, will have different uh, SCADA systems if you want, or different uh, ways of pro providing data. And it's quite quite important. To um, you know, to bring all that data together in a standardized way, um, and basically use that, and have solutions that go across the entire the entire um, process, uh, and that are able to support decision making uh, along along the way. So, quite the integration, the standardization across um, devices, uh, OEMs, and so on. It's one of the key challenges on, on this industry. Um, yeah, and. Basically, a must must do um, thing uh, in this case. 
I know from your background in the past, uh, normalizing like uh, wind turbines and other systems was something you did. But I think that uh, looking at some of the ideas of solutions, it's going beyond the actual operation of the actual equipment and really having a system that uh, is looking at the business KPIs. Are you getting your rate of return? Is it working the way you wanted it to? Is it generating the results you wanted from an investment standpoint or an ongoing financial standpoint? Uh, do you, in closing, uh, do you have any final thoughts on that? And then we'll wrap this session up. No, yeah, absolutely. So that's the next step. So uh, as soon as you have, as soon as, well, as long as you have the data foundation, so you have your data coming in in real time. Um, so that can help, uh, like I was saying before, the real-time decision-making, but also the other side of the equation, as I normally say, which is the, perform the analysis of the performance of your, um, let's call it, uh, um, landscape. Uh, and basically that's where uh, all the KPIs will come in, right? You will start looking at, you know, how good is my availability? So, you know, of course, companies want to maximize availability of their solar panels, their uh, electrolyzers and so on. But then it goes beyond that. So availability is the first level. So making sure the things are working, are producing. But then you get things like uh, maximizing performance, which is, okay, yes, my turbine or my solar panel are working, but then are they working to the maximum of their capacity or their uh, expected, uh, in this case, for wind uh, power curve or um, and that's that's called production uh, optimization. So that's the next level up of KPIs. And then you can even go uh, above that, which is uh, about the, um, taking in consideration the asset uh, lifetime. So typically these assets are very, very expensive and you want to maximize or extend their lifetime. So, you know, it's no point uh, to be all, all the time restarting restarting the, asset, the, the assets because that will basically wear out um, those assets and reduce uh, reduce the lifetime. Um, so you need to balance all of that uh, in order to maximize your return on investment. Well, that's great, Pedro. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll wrap this episode up, and I think what we'll do is we'll have a second episode, and we'll explore some of those things a little further in the next one. So thanks for teeing that up. Uh, so thanks, everyone. Uh, please join us for our next one. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you, Peter. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.